Welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. Very special episode this week because I'm writing solo. So if you only tune in because you like to see what the guests have to say, feel free to move on with your life and I'll be back next week with another guest. But today I'm going to be discussing what the Australian Open needs to do to give Aussies a better chance at winning in front of their home crowd. I'll also be discussing why all bodyguards need to be old people. Plus, Boris Johnson finally resigns and Jordan Peterson is banned from Twitter. But I have some words of comfort for both of them. Before all that, let's play the intro music because it cost me $200 to make. Well, the big story of the week is that Nick Kyrgios is into the Wimbledon final where he will face everyone's favourite former Park Hotel detainee, Novak Djokovic. Now, this is being recorded a day before the final, so I'm going to record two versions depending on the outcome of the match. So please just refer to whichever version is correct and ignore the other one, okay? So this is my post-match reaction if Nick Kyrgios wins. <coughs> Nick Kyrgios has won the Wimbledon Championship. Amazing. He defeated Novak Djokovic after Wimbledon decided to reinstate the vaccine mandate mere hours before the match was scheduled. This means that Kyrgios has essentially Stephen Bradbury'd the event, given that Russian player Daniil Medvedev was disqualified before the event. Rafael Nadal withdrew due to an abdominal strain in their semi-final match. And now Djokovic has become undone for having done his own research. Kyrgios delivered an impassioned victory speech where he did a shooey and he called his opponent a cunt. It truly was an iconic moment in Australian sport. Okay, so that's if Nick Kyrgios wins. I'm pretty sure that's going to be 100% accurate. Now, if Nick Kyrgios loses, I guess this is the version we'll go with and just listen to this one, ignore the other one. Okay. <clears throat> Nick Kyrgios has lost the Wimbledon Championship. He was disqualified after breaking a racket and then Novak Djokovic's nose with a swift jab to the face. Kyrgios delivered an impassioned runner-up speech where he did a shooey and he called his opponent a cunt. I think that's equally likely to be accurate if he loses. Now, I have previously discussed in this podcast how there are no Russian players competing in Wimbledon this year. I was previously against this decision, I have to say. I was against it as I don't think it's fair for individual athletes to be punished for the actions of their government, particularly a government that they haven't voted in because it's a dictatorship. Nonetheless, I now see the merits to the decision. Because if it makes it easier for Australian athletes to progress deeper into the competition, I think that can only be good. Which is why I propose that at the next Australian Open, we consider banning players from morally dubious countries. So, 
that we can finally get an Australian winning at Melbourne Park. I think it would be good for tennis and it would be good for Australian tennis. So looking at the top seeds, I've done some research. Looking at the top seeds, this is going to work really well in our favor. Okay, so obviously Medvedev, Russian top seed, he's out because of the invasion of Ukraine. So he's gone. That's easy. Now, Djokovic is out because, look, we all know what happened in the Yugoslav Wars in the 90s. I've done a very brief amount of research on Wikipedia. So sorry, Djokovic, you're out. He might actually be out anyway because he lied on his application when he came to Australia earlier this year. So he could be facing a three-year ban nonetheless. But if that ban doesn't hold up, the Serbian-Yugoslav wars of the early 1990s will keep him out. Then we've got Zverev. Now, Zverev, he's German. So, I mean, we all remember World War II. So, sorry, mate. Still paying reparations for that. Federer, he's Swiss. So, he's out because, as we know, Switzerland notoriously neutral during World War II. Pick a side, Switzerland. They still haven't paid the price. So, Fetty, we love you, but, mate, you're out. Now, Nadal is Spanish. He's out because let's not forget what the Spanish did in the year 807 AD. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. This might be the only media outlet that is willing to report on it. The day of the ditch in the year 807 was an infamous day in Spanish history where 700 city notables were killed by the army. Now, people don't want to talk about this, but when you Google bad things that Spain has done, it's like number one on their Wikipedia page. So I don't think Spain has paid the price for this awful chapter in their history. And sadly for Rafael Nadal, he's going to have to miss out on the next Australian Open so that we can... Pay respect to those people who passed away in the year 807 and also so that Nick Kyrgios doesn't have to play Nadal in the semifinal here either. I would also just say that when you call something the day of the ditch, oof, you know that's going to be a bad day. You know, no one ever says, oh, how good was the day of the ditch? We went around to the ditch and there was an ice cream truck there and there was a swimming pool. It was a lovely afternoon, the day of the ditch. It's never good, the day of the ditch. Speaking of Russian athletes getting banned, Formula One has faced a bit of controversy this week. Its former chief, Bernie Ecclestone, who looks like an Aldi version of Richard Branson. Go check that out. I think you'll find that I'm correct. He made the news this week because he appeared on Good Morning Britain. And when he was asked about his relationship with Vladimir Putin, Bernie Ecclestone said, and this is the quote, I'd still take a bullet for him. I'd rather it didn't hurt. But if it does... I'd still take a bullet. Now, of course, everyone is attacking Bernie Ecclestone for endorsing Vladimir Putin, a no murderer and war criminal. Fair enough. Of course, you can attack Bernie Ecclestone for that. But let's not forget that Bernie is 91 years old and he really looks it too. So what he's saying is that he would sacrifice the last couple of weeks for his life for Putin. That's not a huge endorsement. I mean, if Bernie were in his 30s and, you know, he was willing to lay down his life for Putin, then you'd say, oh, man, he must really love Putin. He's giving up decades of his life to protect this dictator. But the bloke is 91. He has a history of heart disease. At most, he's giving up a few weeks. So let's not read too much into that comment from Bernie Ecclestone. I would say also that he said, I'd rather the bullets didn't hurt. But if it does hurt, I'd still take a bullet. It's a strange thing to add to the comments. I mean, yeah, 
I guess he would rather that in this hypothetical situation where you're taking a bullet for Vladimir Putin. Such a bizarre qualification to add to the hypothetical. The reason why I bring this up is, is, is this. This is why I think that all bodyguards should be old people who don't have long left to live anyway. Because they're more willing to throw themselves in front of a bullet than a young man who has their whole life ahead of them. And I think about this a lot. Imagine being Joe Biden's bodyguard. Imagine waking up every day and thinking to yourself, Oof, if someone tries to take this guy out, I have to sacrifice my life to preserve his life. For what? A few extra days? I mean, you look at Joe Biden. He's, uh, I don't want to sound like Fox News here, but doesn't have a long time left. I think it's only fair that Joe Biden's bodyguards be older than Joe Biden. You know, I think that way, if a gunman approaches Biden, he can be like, save me, Barbara. And then just like an elderly lady in a wheelchair just slowly rolls her way over to the podium and then just falls in front of Joe to take the gunman's bullet. Which probably wouldn't work. I mean, in this scenario, Barbara is an old lady. She's quite brutal. I imagine the bullet would go through her and still hit Joe and Joe would probably still be taken out. But I guess my point is you can expect an elderly person to take a bullet for a younger person. You can't expect a younger person to take a bullet for an older person. This also does raise the other question, which is why would anyone go out of their way to assassinate Joe Biden? I mean, really, all you need to do is wait. I think he's the first sitting president who will be assassinated by the linear nature of time itself. But coming back to Bernie Ecclestone and Formula One, after Bernie Ecclestone's very bizarre interview, Formula One issued a statement. And this is the statement from Formula One. It says, The comments made by Bernie Ecclestone are his personal views and are in very stark contrast to the position of the modern values of our sport. Now, I find this statement funny because what they're saying is, first of all, he doesn't go here anymore. And it's true, he doesn't work there anymore. He used to, not anymore. But also they've said, basically, hey, uh, war crimes do not represent the values of our sport. And I don't think you ever have to say that. I think there is this general presumption amongst the population that you do not represent war crimes as a core value unless you came out and explicitly said so. I think if ever as an organization you feel the need to come out and say, hey, we are against war crimes, you've probably got bigger issues to deal with in your organization than bad PR. That's just a general rule that I live by. I would also like to take this moment to say war crimes do not endorse the values of topical with Michael Schaefer. I just want to have that out there in case I one day endorse war crimes. I want you to know that here today, I'm very much against them. Of course, the other big story this week is UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has finally announced that he is stepping down. He said that being the UK Prime Minister was, and I quote, the best job in the world. And I believe him because... During the lockdown, he got to attend a lot of parties. I mean, they looked like a lot of fun. It seems like a fun job, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Of course, this now means the UK has had four prime ministers in six years. And as an Australian, 
let me just say that is pathetic, United Kingdom. Absolutely embarrassing. I mean, you're complaining about instability when you've had four prime ministers in six years. Okay, try having seven prime ministers since 2010. Honestly, Britain, grow up. It's embarrassing that you're even complaining about this. I mean, Australia had so many changes of prime minister that the major parties had to change the rules around leadership spills so that they would stop themselves from overthrowing themselves. Do you appreciate how insane that is? And let's also not forget that even after they made those rules to stop these leadership spills from happening again and again, after that, we still had like a three-month period in 2017, if you'll remember, where we discovered that all of our elected politicians were dual citizens and they forgot that under the constitution, you're not allowed to hold public office if you're a dual citizen because there's a potential conflict of interest there. And so we just had MPs dropping like flies because they forgot they happened to also be citizens of New Zealand and they realized, oh crap, the constitution says I have to resign now. I mean, Barnaby Joyce, who was our deputy PM at the time, so he was our 2IC, he was found to have two citizenships. Of course, this was before he was found to also have two families, which was a a very different scandal that also made it hard for him to hold office. But my point is, UK, grow up, four prime ministers in six years. Honestly, that would be great if Australia could achieve that type of stability. Lastly, the other bloke who had a rough week, is Jordan Peterson. Now, if you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, firstly, let me say, congratulations. I envy you. I would suggest you stop listening to this podcast right away because clearly your life is better than mine. And I would hate to infiltrate this beautiful bubble that you've somehow kept intact over the years. If you want to know who Jordan Peterson is, basically, I would surmise him as an intellectual, well, Let me start again. Someone who's considered to be an intellectual uh, by virgin men around the world who hate wokeism. So here's a bit of the backstory about Jordan Peterson. He was in a Twitter scandal a couple of weeks ago where he tweeted that the plus size model on the front cover of Sports Illustrated was not beautiful. And he blamed authoritarian tolerance for claiming that she was beautiful. Now, When you think about this, it's one of the most insane tweets ever because what he's done here is he announced to the world that he would not be masturbating to her image. When you really break it down, that's what he's put out into the world. Now, that's his choice. He's allowed to not masturbate to that image. I don't think the government is at the stage yet where they're forcing men to masturbate to specific images and you've got to respect his beliefs. I just think it's strange that he announced that to the world because personally, in my own experience, I have to say, I see lots of images throughout the day and I would say the vast majority of which I do not masturbate to. I don't take to Twitter every time I come across an image that I don't masturbate to. Now, call me crazy, but that's just not something I do. I mean, the other day I saw the front cover of Car Magazine. There was a, I believe it was a Honda on the front cover. I had no inclination at all to masturbate to that Honda, nor did I have an inclination to go on social media and let my followers know that. Now, I guess that's 
the, the brand that I've kind of crafted on social media is one that doesn't announce the images that I masturbate to. Clearly, Jordan Peterson has a different social media brand and that's fine. I just think it's a bit strange. The reason why I bring up this context is because after that very strange tweet where he announced he won't be masturbating to this image, he received a lot of backlash on Twitter and then he announced that he was leaving the platform because he said he found the platform toxic. Now, first of all, yeah, it's Twitter. It's the worst place on the internet. Of course it's toxic. He said that he had instructed his staff to change his password to keep him off the platform. Unfortunately, it seems like he has managed to guess the new password that his staff have put together for him. I could only guess that the password was incel1234, perhaps with an exclamation mark at the end if you need that symbol. The reason why I think he's cracked the password is because he was on Twitter once again this week and he went on and made a transphobic tweet, which I won't repeat here because even I think it's a bit too crude for this podcast. But as a result of this transphobic tweet, he was banned from Twitter and he took it as well as you would expect an egotistical narcissist to take it. He went on YouTube and he made a 15-minute video attacking Twitter's decision to ban him. Now, I would suggest you pause the podcast right now. Go watch this video. It's 15 minutes of your life that is well worth it. And then come back and we can continue to discuss it. So go watch it, pause, come back. So assuming you've now watched the video, basically he's upset at how people choose to identify, which is very ironic because it's clear in this 15-minute video that he is identifying as a Bond villain who is not successful enough to afford a cat just yet. But he has very strong Bond villain energy sitting in his suit in a chair, staring down the barrel of the camera, yelling that he will cancel the woke people and they won't cancel him. I doubt that Jordan listens to this podcast. I highly doubt it. I hope he does. And if he does, hopefully this will make him feel a bit better about the situation that he finds himself in. Because Jordan, it's very likely that no individual person at Twitter made the decision to suspend you from the platform. It was most likely just the algorithm detecting particular words in your tweet. And as a result, suspending you on that basis which means you are literally arguing against a robot. You're arguing against artificial intelligence right now. I mean, you might as well be screaming at Alexa. You putting out this video is not going to make any difference because the robot isn't going to see it. Also, Jordan, let me remind you that just the other week, you said you wanted to leave Twitter because it was a toxic place. This is your chance. They're doing you a favor. I think this is like when you want to quit your job, but it'd be better if you got fired because that, that way you'd get a redundancy package. I mean, this way, Jordan, you get to leave Twitter and you get to pretend that you're being censored and persecuted for telling the truth. This is an absolute win-win. Enjoy the moment. That has been this week's episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. Next week, I'll be back with another episode. 
Feel free to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Michael Schaefer. Make sure to follow Jordan Peterson too on all of his platforms because he's clearly putting out some very, very good content that you don't want to miss. I'll see you next week. 